Blog Talk Radio. Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Born to Talk Radio Show. I'm your host, Marsha Witeka. Conversations plus connections equals community. Those are my three C's. The heart of my show is what's your story? It's my belief we all have stories. Some are similar, others are uniquely different. Storytelling brings the passions of my guests to life through our conversations. So be prepared to be entertained, informed, and inspired. Welcome to today's show. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the Born to Talk radio show podcast. I am really excited to introduce you to my guests today. All of them are Rotarians, including myself. And I was starting with Cosette Fergari, who is making her third appearance on my show. Hi, Cosette. Hi, Marcia. Thank you. It's great to be back, and we really appreciate you having us on the show today. Well, it's, it's my pleasure. And next, I'd like you to meet my buddy, Rob DeCue. And Rob is joining me for the second time. Hi, Rob. Hi, Marcia. Thank you so much for having us. It's great to be back. You're, you're welcome. And last, but certainly not least, is Gail Goldstein, who's joining me for the first time on my show. Welcome to the show, Gail. Thank you so much, Marsha. I am thrilled to be here today. <laughs> Terrific. Well, as I mentioned at the top, uh, we all have something in common because we are all members of the Rotary International District 5280. And Cosette is a member of the Westchester Rotary and a past district governor. And both Rob and Gail and I are members of the Playa Venice Sunrise Rotary. Today's focus is what Rotary is doing to fight human trafficking. But before we get over to that actual topic, I think it would be great to just get to know the guests a little bit better for those of you listening to get to know our guests a little bit better. And I thought the best way to do that is for each of you to just sort of introduce um, yourself to how you were introduced to Rotary. And uh, Cosette, I'll start with you. What's, what's your path? What, what is your Rotary story? Well, Marcia, um, I have been in Rotary now pushing 25 years, and um, Rotary is a business networking organization as well and equally as well as a community service organization. And I was, I had a business in my community. I was involved in community service and other organizations. Um, But initially, um, women were not allowed in Rotary. So in the late 80s, as we turn into the 1990s, um, the U.S. Supreme Court (laughs) ruled that that was um, unfairly biased against women in business. And so the Rotary clubs began to open up and invite women. So I was one of the first women in our Rotary club, um, number five. As it stands now, I'm the third oldest uh, female membership in my Rotary club. So um, because I knew these folks, I was doing business with these men in the Rotary Club of Westchester. I was involved in other organizations and community service. They extended an invitation, and as soon as women were allowed, um, I joined. 
That's a great story. You know, Cosette, I forgot you telling me that. I that that's that's quite an interesting story, and uh, I know that people don't know how I'm connected oftentimes to uh, my guests, but Cosette, you and I have known each other. I don't know, about 35 years, I suppose. So we're both in the same community, went to the same high school. And um, it, it's it's a privilege to have you join me today and, and continue your legacy with the Rotary. Rob, what what about you? What, what was your Rotary um, introduction? Yeah, <clears throat> I was brought into the Rotary Club back in high school as an international exchange student. So it was in 1997, so it's been over 20 years now, and I spent a, a year over in Surat, India, uh, sponsored by our local club in Fort Angeles and also the Victoria Canada Club. We had all our conferences over there, and I remember after that year, I, I promised myself whenever I like had a business and had that flexible time to join a Rotary Club that that's what I would do, so I was uh, reintroduced to Rotary about five years ago when I moved here to, to Los Angeles and, and toured a couple of Rotary Clubs and found the Playa Venice Club and just fell in love with the people in the community and how involved they were. And, and so I've just been plugging away since then. Nice. What about you, Gail? Well, I came to it even earlier. My father was a Rotarian, so growing up as an only child, I was taken to Rotary events. And I remember as a small child going to their holiday party and being an elf and giving out presents to less fortunate children And that was my first exposure to Rotary. And I knew at that juncture it was really important to my father. So flash forward 30 years, I have been in commercial real estate doing um, a lot of work on my professional part of my career and was feeling the need and the want and the desire to give back and provide service to my community. And I was reintroduced to Rotary by a dear friend play of Venice Sunrise Rotary Club was her club and I joined I immediately fell in love with the opportunity to be of service and to have a community of like-minded professionals and spent the last probably 15 years became president past president of that club and I continue to serve with with delight I it, you know it, it re- I am I'm the newbie on the block um, one of our, one of my friends, Maria Davis, who was a, a past guest on the show, invited me. It was bring a bring a guest to Rotary, and I came to that to that meeting, and I I looked around and I thought, my goodness, most of these people I don't know, some of these people I know very well, but it didn't take long for me to recognize what you said about service and and community and camaraderie and all of that. It, it's a wonderful, wonderful organization, and it's not just here in our local communities, but it's international. So for those of you that have ever wondered about Rotary, I hope that this has given you a little bit of information. You can always go to Rotary wherever you look, wherever you live and look <laughs> up the local Rotary Club um, in your community. But Cosette, so – so you you're in the Westchester Rotary and and uh, Rob's in the Playa Venice uh, Sunrise Rotary. So how did you get to know Rob? Well, um, our Rotary clubs um, are adjacent to one another in terms of the names of the Rotary club, but in fact, really the communities overlap. 
And um, so I, I have, in fact, my Rotary Club sponsored um, the Playa Venice Rotary Club years ago when they first started. So I have lots of friends in Rob's Rotary Club, and I was inspired to support him. And Rob can c- correct me on the date of the actual uh, bike ride that he made, 3,000-mile bike ride across the United States, somewhere around 2016, 2015, 16. And um, there he rode to raise awareness and raise funds for brain cancer research. Um, the story <clears throat> um, got to me. And so I was I donated funds to support him on that bike ride. And then when, once it was completed, I invited him to lunch because I wanted to meet him. I could not believe, you know, what he had done. And I wanted to meet him and hear his story about uh, the bike ride. And then I was also, there was an ulterior motive as I was heading into my governor year for Rotary International District 5280, which is the Los Angeles region uh, in California, in the United States. And um, I thought it it seemed like it was going to be a great story and that I would love to have him as a speaker uh, at one of my district breakfasts. We hold four for the entire region a year. And so I got to know Rob. Um, That's how initially... I got to meet this young man with such great integrity and such a big heart. And the story when we went to lunch was that a friend of his that he had known, a female friend for years, he had grown up with her, actually ended up passing away from brain cancer. And so that's what motivated him to make this ride uh, in honor of her and to raise funds for continued research in, uh, for brain cancer. Okay. Did, did um, Rob, did you also um, raise money for the polio as well? Oh, we did. That was uh, the following year after that. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. That's I, because that's been a huge, a huge um, cause for Rotary, right? Is polio um, um, eradication? Am I right about that, Cosette? Yeah. If I may speak to that. So what um, what evolved out of our relationship? Uh, I did have Rob uh, speak at my first district breakfast, but actually, what happened is in between before that. Rob contacted me um, about four or five months after our lunch and said he was going to um, partake and embark on this bad water run from Death Valley to the port of um, Mount Whitney and he uh, during my year as district governor and would do that to raise funds for either polio, which is a very important uh, Rotary International set a goal back in 1985 and have uh, when we had 135 countries in the world endemic with polio, and now we're down to just 
three, um, and their goal is to eradicate polio worldwide. So he offered to ride for that, and he, but he also knew I had a passion uh, for the children that are victims of child sex trafficking, and so he offered to ride for that. Um, I mean, to walk, run in the bad water, and that's a whole story in itself. Um, I'll let Rob can talk about that if he'd like to, or I will. I don't want to take up all of this, but um, yeah. we, we chose to, because of all of the matches through the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, to, for his uh, bad water walk run to benefit the polio cause. So Got it. Okay. Well, it's it, he, as we're going to discover um, in this hour together, Rob is an incredible athlete on many, many levels, and we're going to be talking about that. But before we get right over to that, Gail, I, I because you and I are in the same club with Rob, um, and we just had an incredible, incredible event at our um, meeting last week at our Rotary meeting. Um, I know that you are the president of the Rotary Foundation with the Playa Venice Sunrise Rotary. So have you been doing that for a while? Have you had that position for a while? I have, Marcia, and it's, a, it's an honor and a privilege to serve our foundation. I act as the president of our foundation board, and on a club level, we are doing both fundraising and a lot of work to benefit our community and international projects inclusive of Rob's efforts. So it's it's an honor to be the chairperson to help fulfill each president's goals and objectives for our community and international service projects and to see the dynamic accomplishments that we as a group of people can achieve each year has been very fulfilling and to be a part of that and to now be a part of Rob's efforts is uh, it's just a, a great great place for me to serve and I do enjoy it We I just have to plug us for just a second because this past Wednesday because of the foundation we gave away $13,000 to 13 high school seniors that are going off to college and they all received a $1,000 scholarship award. That was just, that was just mind boggling, beautiful. And I just, I just had to throw that in there because I haven't been in Rotary, but six months. And so that was my first experience in that. And those students, if this is who our future is, our future looks bright. It was an impressive, impressive presentation. So I just, I just had to add that. Um, and going back to you, Cosette, for a moment, um, you've taken on a whole new role, and I think this will be our great introduction to what we will be focusing on now. So you're, you've taken on a new role, and I was just wondering if you could tell our listeners about what you are currently doing now um, with um, the human trafficking. Sure, and, and thank you for this opportunity. Um, I always accept opportunities to talk about the issue of human trafficking in general. And human trafficking is divided into really kind of four 
quadrants of a square, if you think of a, a square, and the upper half is children who are trafficked, and they're either trafficked in labor trafficking or sex trafficking. These children and the average age for a child that is sex trafficked is 12 years old. Um, and then the lower part of the quadrant is this just carries over the labor trafficking and sex trafficking travels with them if they survive this environment into their adult years. So we have children and adults who are trafficked both in human labor trafficking and sex trafficking. And this is becoming the most lucrative criminal activity um, surpassing drug activity, in particular child sex trafficking. Um, the very sad thing is when traffickers sell their drugs, which is now the number one criminal activity, but slowly being pushed aside, they, can, they have to go out and buy more drugs to sell those drugs. But the very sad thing is that with child sex trafficking, they do not have to replenish their product because a child is sold on the average, and I'm talking in Los Angeles region. I'm not talking around the world, other places, but right in our own area, a child is sold for sex approximately seven times per day, and a trafficker makes anywhere from 100000 to $150,000 per year per child. And, and this is an issue that is huge. It is an issue worldwide uh, as well, and Ro Rotary International um, has embraced this through an organization. Rotary has what we call Rotary Action Groups. And you can have a Rotary Action Group, and, it, and it's worldwide or regional, however you want to set it up. You can create your own. And it can be a, something that's very fun, like golf. So there's a Rotary, Rotary Action Group um, of golfers. And you could go around the world and connect with those people and play golf or if you're in their area. But it goes all the way to issues just as serious as, as I've been talking about. So... There is a Rotary Action Group Against Child Slavery. Um, the short acronym is RAGUS. It's actually Rotarian Action Group Against Slavery. And, of course, as I've done my work over the last four or five years in this area where I have really been, I'm sort of semi-retiring from the practice of law, but um, where I've really worked on this platform uh, over the last few years, I've learned to embrace the broad problem that we then label as human trafficking because it's all interwoven. It's all interwoven with the issue of homelessness, people on the street. Um, it's a very sad situation. So over mm -hmm. time and the work, there are two things that are going on, Marcia, that I'd like to speak to. And 
One is I was asked to um, become the coordinator for the Rotarian Action Group Against uh, Slavery in North America. So I did accept that position. So um, approximately, well, at the turn of this year, this Rotary year, last July, I became that coordinator. Um, and that's working parallel and hand-to-hand -hand with a personal goal um, that I set um, a few years back. And in short, I could talk about that if we have enough time at the end. I can swing back to this. But All right, let's um, do that. Okay. Um, but that's yeah. the – we just launched the website, which is what is – Foremost and a part of my responsibilities is RotariansFightingHumanTrafficking.org, and uh, it's regionalized right now for Los Angeles, but I'm stepping very soon into the San Diego area with that, and eventually California, the West Coast, and on. So that's where Terrific. I am. Terrific. And, you know, I'm going to repeat that one more time now, and we'll also repeat that at the end because it is a really so well-organized website. So for those of you who are listening that would like to visit that website, it's Rotarians, that's with an S, fightinghumantrafficking.org. So that is a place for you to get some information. Rob, I'd like to bring you into the show now because what you're doing and who you are as an athlete is mind-boggling. I, I, I don't think most people even know what people like you do, Rob. And I would really like to spend some time because I know that you are fundraising um, to, to work on this cause and that you are an ultra-endurance athlete. Now, I don't know how many of our listeners really know what that is. You, we've heard of marathoners and we've heard of triathletes and you go to Hawaii and you swim and you bicycle and you run. But I don't think most people know what an ultra-endurance um, athlete is. So can you spend some time and share that with us, please? Of course, Naja. Um, thank you so much for the introduction. And I, uh, So basically, an, an ultra-endurance um, marathon or event is anything past the typical distance of like a marathon. So an ultra marathon would be something over 26.2 miles. So it usually starts at like 30 miles or 31 miles or 60 miles or 100 miles. Uh, for a swim, it's like anything over 2.4 miles. For a bike ride, it's anything over 100 miles. So if you're doing like a double century, so a 200 mile bike ride, that would be an ultra. And as as you you guys know. Um, the bike rides and can go all the way from like 200 to like the race across America is a little over 3000 miles. Um, and some of the runs are, you know, hundred mile runs and 200 mile runs. Uh, the one that we did to raise money for polio was uh, 135 miles. Um, so it's basically any endurance activity that goes over the course of a, of what you would normally expect to do. And just so that I, that I can comprehend what you're saying, Differently than a triathlon where you do all three of those activities back to back to back, um, you, these, these, these bike rides, these runs, and these swims, they are independent. Um, they're not all, because 
for example, um, how 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 much are you going to swim? How how far are you swim? How far are you planning on swimming? <laughs> That's a good question, Marcia. But um, it really depends. So it really depends. Like a lot of people, when they think of like, because uh, I came from the sport of ultra running. Um, so it's, you know, I was usually getting ready for like a 50 mile run or a hundred mile run. And, uh, and then after I got really good at ultra running, I realized you can shift that same endurance to other sports. And so that's where I got into the cycling. And then this year I'm taking on swimming. So the, the swim this summer will be an 18.3 mile, which is about 30 kilometers from my, near my hometown in Port Angeles up to Canada. And so that distance, uh, you know, I, I think anything over about 2.4 miles is considered an ultra swim. So that'd be about nine times that distance. Wow. So you're going to swim in the ocean 18.3 miles from your hometown of Port Angeles into Canada. Correct? Did I get that right? That is correct. And how, just out of curiosity, how long will that take you? time-wise to do that about yeah so i'm i'm planning on between 13 to 16 hours for the the swim and um and this year's been one of those fascinating ones for me because i you know one of the things about ultra endurance athletes is there's there's very few that switch sports and so i'm one of those i really like to switch disciplines to disciplines that i'm not that comfortable or familiar with and so swimming is a very like i'm not a great swimmer um, I don't come from a swimming background. So it's, yeah, I spent the last year and a half doing a lot of technique training, talking to a lot of uh, swimmers who have done marathon swimming and distance swimming, and going through a lot of the situations that come up uh, regarding like cold weather, uh, cold water, and the difference in fueling, because especially if you're swimming in salt water, you're naturally taking in salt, so the electrolyte mix is different. And so there's this huge learning curve going into it. Um, and and I, I just find that, you know, fascinating, and I, I also really appreciate how when you move into a different sport, you're you're so terrible at it at the beginning that you have, you end up making these really large um, strides forward because you you have so far to grow, and so that's been good to to go from an area that I've been weak to, and move into an area where I'm relatively strong at this point. Okay, so, all right, so I'm just I'm listening to what you're saying, and I'm trying to physically process how you would train. And maybe that will come up as we continue our conversation. But if you're going to mm-hmm. swim, is that 13 to 16 hours? Is that without stopping? I mean, yeah, do so you? Yeah, 13 you, hours. Wow. Yeah, and, and, and those were some questions I had in the beginning, too. Like, can you get out of the water? Can you get in the boat? Do people, can people touch you? Can they help you? And the more I started talking to people, the, um, the standard for marathon swimmers, and I'll, I'll be doing it a little different than a marathon swimmer. I'll have a wetsuit and some gloves and booties, um, no fins, no, um, you know, snorkel or anything, but, uh, but the wetsuit to keep me warm because the water temperature will be about 54 degrees. Um, but apart oh from the goodness. wetsuit, I was going to go with the marathon swim rules which is once you hit the water, no one can touch you. Um, any of the fueling, you usually take fuel about every half an hour. So I'll have some kayakers next to me, and they throw a bottle to you t- tied to a, uh, a string, and you take fuel about every half an hour. And then you just go continuously, so one continuous effort. Um, and it should be, yeah, right around 13 to 16 hours. So it'll be, yeah, I always just look at it as the breaks. So it's like, oh, I got like 26 to, you know, to, to 30 two breaks 
Oh, yeah, that's how we're all looking at it, right, everybody? Yeah. Oh, my God, look at you get a break like every 30 minutes and just, you know, your arms will just, you know, you'll, they'll just be limp. But it doesn't matter because you've got another 12 hours to go. Oh, I just, I can't even imagine that. And and the other thing is, is that this isn't just about sport. This isn't just about, you know, you want to be an Ironman or you want to, you know, have 12,000 medals around your neck. You wouldn't be doing this if there wasn't a cause behind it because you could just go swim tomorrow in, in, at the beach where we live and call it a day and, and be real happy. So I think that mm-hmm. that can't be lost in the process is, is the purpose for what you are doing this, which is quite remarkable. And, Cosette, you had mentioned that you have some uh, tangible outcomes that you hope to achieve some of your goals you would hope to achieve during this. Is it a three-year term that you have this position, Cosette? Do I understand that correctly? Yes. And, okay. Um, and I, um, my goals extend way beyond that in terms of this, you know, once I'm fully retired, this will be my full-time work. And right now it's very mm-hmm. balanced. I spend a lot of time on this issue. So these, positions, you know, this position that I hold right now with the Rotarian Action Group, that could lead to another term, you know, moving up on another level. But honestly, my focus, which is, again, running parallel, is the collaboration between, through the website that I launched a few months back, which had, was kind of a two-year process in developing this, but it's a collaboration between law enforcement. I've worked with FBI, CIA, uh, L.A. County Sheriff, LAPD, um, Homeland Security, and other small cities within L.A. County, their police departments, fire department, um, and then uh, elected officials, as well as, you know, federal state, county, and city level. Um, I've also worked with the many nonprofits in the Los Angeles region, as well as many Rotarians as individuals or Rotary clubs as a club who embrace this issue. So we've created this website. So that will go on until I'm no longer walking around and somebody else hopefully picks it up and moves with it, but it is a place where victims could go and find resources for people to help them. Uh, People can look for volunteer opportunities for events that are either awareness raising events. We have Rob's Swim out there on the website as an event. Uh, And then we have fundraising events so I promote on behalf of the nonprofits in the region um, any event that they have that's fundraising for this issue to assist survivors. So um, it's intended to be very interactive, collaborative, supportive, filled with information and resources for anyone who's looking. Uh, where their next step is moving in and adding a component for training because we need to get into many levels. But the schools are so important, and the state of California just recently passed and mandated 
that education for trafficking is brought into the public schools. So we are now beginning to build the groups that can come in and train on this subject on two levels. One for educational purposes and awareness raising, and the other is actually working with survivors because they are suffering from very traumatic events and they are not the normal. In fact, I have lots of dentists, nurses, doctors, people volunteering their professional expertise to help for free, but yet they'll need to be trained this is not the normal kid walking in the door or normal young adult who's caught up in this labor or sex trafficking. So um, that's where I'm going for as long as I can do it. You know, I you said something that I think is really, really important because it's, it's, it's what's sticking with me. And you said this when we first started the show. I think that, and and I could, and I'm going to just speak for myself and not for others. I don't think that I personally understood until you said it that this isn't a problem somewhere else. That this is happening in our own backyards, particularly amongst um, some of the the population that that are homeless or for a variety of reasons. And I think that that's an important perspective as we continue our conversation today that this isn't something that you're doing to make a difference in a third world country you are talking about what is happening right in our own backyards whether we're on the west coast we're on the east coast we're in the center of the of the country and i think that that's a that's a real real important um um, message and i think it's wonderful what what all of you are doing um, to, to work towards that goal. And with, with that in mind, Rob, um, did you decide that doing an ultra-endurance event would perhaps generate, I don't know, why did, why did you decide to get involved with ultra-endurance in this regard? Yeah. I originally got involved in ultra-endurance back in college where um, I had a psychology professor who was an ultra endurance runner and he saw me running all the time to cut weight for wrestling. So I, I've always had a fanatic energy, but I'd never directed it towards like ultra sports. And I started training with him and then he introduced me to his mentors. And so that's, that was my original touch point on ultras and kind of exposed me to the sports. And then um, just over the years, like situations would come up where an opportunity for an event would, would arise. My, my first one, was the, I guess I did do an altar before that. It was the 50-hour non-stop aerobics I did with, when I was in India as a Rotarian. And then um, when I had taken my first job in in California managing a gym, I was just getting ready to exit that, and one of my youth pastors is going through a really hard time in life and uh, asked me to go on a cross-country bike trip with him. So I kind of dropped everything, and we spent 40 days on the road. And it was, it was during that that trip that I decided that I wanted to pursue the the ultra distance trail running and spent three years training for my first hundred miler. And uh, the following year I did a second cross country bike. um, And our goal was to raise money for, uh, it was the celebrate your life foundation, which is another cancer foundation. Um, But I I found when I first got into it, it was was really hard to raise money and to raise funds. And so I spent like six months trying to get the messaging out there and 
and it kind of fell flat. So the the trip was great, but it was, you know, I felt like there was this missing component um, to it. And then, um, you know, over the, the years when I was, you know, doing different sports and different, just going after different activities. Um, and I actually got into Race Across America um, kind of by chance. I My life goal was, was actually just to qualify for it. So I did the qualifying race the year before I got married. And then after I got married, my, my wife was like, well, when are we going to do Race Across America? When are we going to do Ram? And I was like, I'm not going to do that race. Like, that's, it's a crazy and it takes so much time and so much logistics. And it was through that process where she was, she was like, no, I really want to do this. And I was like, I, I think I have a shot at it. It's going to take about, you know, about a year and a half to train it for. And so I, you know, during that process, I did the training and that's when I got connected to the celebrate your, or the um, uh, 3000 miles to a cure, which I did work with to raise money for brain cancer and, and just seeing the way that they had their community together and the way they reached out to people. It was, it was so nice to be connected to an organization that um, could mobilize people and, and raise money and raise funds and raise awareness. And so that, you know, going from experiences where I hadn't had success raising, raising money to watching it be successful. I, I just knew in my mind, like if we could duplicate a similar style but do it with rotary that it would go you know it would have much wider of an impact and um and so that was the the main catalyst that got me connected with cosette and you know and uh, raising money for polio and i i just wanted to have a, an impact through the sports that i'm doing and you know and i i love to do the the sports and it's you know it's where i'm the most alive out there and i, and I like pushing myself in an experience where you know you probably have less than 50 percent chance of finishing and it, there's so much uncertainty in terms of the weather and conditions, but you just kind of step out into that space and do the best that you can. And, and there's, there's something about that that's, you know, intriguing for me. And I know other people enjoy being around. Um, so yeah, it was, it was kind of the, you know, how I got into it. And then, and then I, I've done a few Ironman over the years. And so I've, I've always had the idea of a swim, but because I'm so weak in that sport, I, you know, never really gone down that road and, and then this year, I just decided to, you know, to give it a shot. So between, I'm just curious, Rob. So between the swimming, the cycling, and the running, if you could only do one, what which what one is like? Oh, you know, if I can only do one um, um, component, this is the one I wouldn't give up. What 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 is your favorite between the three? Yeah, it would always be running. So, uh, it would always, always be running. Yeah. <laughs> Do you run every day? Is that part of your practice in the in the daytime of some sort? I I train with what's called um, essentialist training or minimalist training. So I I usually train three to four days a week. Um, so I have just very specific workouts that I do um, usually three days a week. Wow. And I just, um, for those of you that obviously don't know Rob because you're listening to the show and you're learning about these these three wonderful people, Rob also has two young kids that you know so he's a dad too because how old are your kids now i'm trying to remember how old is hudson yeah, so hudson's, hudson's two and a half and then Kalea just turned 10 months right you're not busy okay and then you run your yeah. own business okay that's yeah you're, you 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 do you do sleep and eat right rob i mean you do manage to do that <laughs> yeah and, and hudson has about the same energy level of man and thankfully clay is just super observant and about as quiet and calm and wonderful as can be Hudson's great but he's got yeah. a lot of energy 
<laughs> yes, he does. Always has, and that's so great. So, Gail, I know that you're still there, and I really wanted to bring you back into our conversation. Um, as as the, in the foundation, in this Playa Venice Sunrise Rotary, that's such a mouthful, Playa Venice Sunrise Rotary. Sometimes I can't, I, I trip over my own tongue. Um, are you looking to expand the scope um, of what the foundation is doing? Well, certainly, you know, we serve at the, the at the pleasure of our president of our club. So every year as our president takes office in July, um, we look at his, his slate of events that will be both, um, you know, inspiring and in service. And so I would say absolutely our, our foundation is growing as our membership is growing as well. And that's a beautiful thing, Marcia, because we're finding more and more people who are drawn to avenues of service and wanting to find a way to give back. And I think part of that maybe starts with kids that are doing community service in high school and having to fulfill those those requirements and maybe then finding it's valuable to take that into their professional lives. But, you know, having Rob as a, as a club member, we're just super excited to be supportive to him. And uh, it's been wonderful to be involved with the polio eradication, the bad water uh, run that he did. And I was fortunate to be in a, a role serving a Cosette in her district governorship when she undertook such a huge uh, fundraising effort for the polio eradication cause with Rob to, to work with them. So our club became very dynamic and, and supportive and continues that way. And, um, and it's a good time for me to mention that with Rob's upcoming swim for, for the sex trafficking awareness on July the 20th, we're going to all be be gathering uh, at Tony P's Dockside Grill in Marina Del Rey at about 5.30 to um, have a live feed and experience Rob's swim as he comes into Victoria, British Columbia, because that will be there to greet him, as will many other Rotarians. And we'll be here again in the marina celebrating and um raising awareness and maybe uh, some money to offset all of Rob's costs to do this. And, uh, you know, it's just part of what we do in Rotary, and that is to support one another and support really worthy causes such as this. That's on July 20th, Marcia. That's on July 20th. Yes. So anybody who wants to join Gail and – at Tony P's in the marina, and then mm-hmm. on July 20th up in Vancouver, there will be a group of us flying up there to greet Rob at the end of his swim. Oh, so wow. That's any, so anybody's cool. Oh, man. And I happened to just – I was in Vancouver about – in about three weeks, it will be a year ago, and I loved Vancouver. I, I took a tour into Alaska, and it was we started in Vancouver. And gosh, the water's going to be cold, Rob. But um, what a what a what a wonderful thing that Rotary does because what what you've all been able to to state and what I'm what I'm experiencing as a new Rotarian 
is that, yes, there's a business component. There are incredible people doing wonderful business, um, all kinds of businesses. And then there's that social get-together, let's, let's hang out or let's do something that's, that's just um, um, for social purposes, that's just enjoyable. And then it's just that fundraising that you recognize, whether it's bingo or it's whatever, this, whatever it might be that just raises some dollars that goes right back into the community. It's just a wonderful organization. And, and I think we should mention, I think you, you brought it up ever so slightly, that you, you mentioned it, Rob, and that is Rotary really starts in high school if you, chose, if you choose to want to do that. Our youngest Rotarian at, at our club is just turned 22, and I believe he started in high school. Do I, is that right about Matthew? Was Gail, you could certainly talk to Matthew. He's like your second. He's like your son. Was he in high school? <laughs> yeah. Probably? Actually, he, he was Gail. Well, yes, and I'm so delighted he does. He is the closest thing I will ever have to a son, and oh, I'm so yeah. proud of him. But he was not involved, tragically, in Rotary in high school. However, was a scholarship winner from our club and took the Rotary um, beliefs and thought processes to heart and became a Rotarian at his earliest possible opportunity once he finished college and became a professional. And, you know, but we have Interact and Rotaract both at high school and college levels, and now there's a Youth Act that is, you know, becoming even more prominent in our elementary schools. So we're so proud that we're creating a mindset among young people to lead a life and have a a part of that be in service uh, through Rotary and and make that part of your lifestyle. And uh, Matthew's a great example of someone who, you know, went to Rotary Youth Leadership Assembly, a weekend camp that was sponsored for kids in high school. And he got so much out of that and came back, became a scholarship winner, and is now one of our two younger members, both 22 and 23 years old, and we're immensely proud of the contributions that they make. Truly, and you know, I didn't realize that this is now not only at the high school level, but so Rotaract is in elementary schools? No, Rotaract is in college, Interact is in high oh, school, and now Rotaract. we have Youth Act. Mm-hmm. And that. also, okay. Marcia, Marcia, it starts with yes. um, Youth Act is uh, below high school. In our uh, district in the Los Angeles region, we only have one Youth Act, but it is in a very, it is in the hood. And the okay. Rotarians that run this Youth Act through an elementary and middle school uh, are doing enormous good for these children most most of these children that go through that program stay in school go on to a strong vocational opportunity or college opportunity it's amazing what they do at the high school level it is interact and a rotary club will sponsor an interact school um uh, on on a high school campus westchester rotary sponsors both uh two high schools in our community, public and Catholic high schools. 
uh, we have a, an interact at each. And then Rotaract is not only on, it's a college age, so a Rotary Club can sponsor a Rotaract Club on a college campus, but also there are community-based Rotaracts, which do not have to be affiliated with a university that a Rotary Club sponsors up to age 30. And then we oh. hope they will step into the Rotary world, if not even sooner, and join a Rotary Club. Interesting. Okay, I didn't know that. That's really interesting. I'm going to take just a moment to just read something um, about Rotary to our listeners in case they didn't know this. Because unless you are part of a Rotary, you really wouldn't necessarily know this. And that is called the four-way test of things we think, say, or do. And it's the fundamental charge of Rotary, which is, first, is it the truth? Second, is it fair to all concerned? Third, will it build goodwill and better friendships? And fourth, Will it be beneficial to all concerned? That is, those are inspiring words. Those are words that, frankly, I'd like to think whether you are in Rotary or not, that you could live by. These are, these are exemplary examples of being a good citizen and of being a good person. Um, and I, I just applaud Rotary for what it for what it does, and, and that's not to take away from any of the other remarkable nonprofits because, frankly, since I've been a podcaster now for well over a year, most of my guests are nonprofits. I am so attracted to people that find a passion, whether it's my friend Jeanette Thomas from Cell Dogs to um, uh, our, our Sarah Chapman that was with me last week that that I met through Rotary where she's built a better Benin. We have incredible people um, doing wonderful things. And Rotary is a fine example of what they do to, to make this world a better place to live in. And, and we can all be very, very proud of that. When you, when you look back um, at your Rotary highlights of the year, I, I would just be just curious to know if if each of you might just have the okay, if I could only name one highlight from this past year, what what would it what would it be? What would what would yours be, Gail? Oh, that's that's tough. There's so many wonderful examples. Um, well, I will just share, Marcia, the joy that our club experienced is just this past weekend in winning a Club of Excellence Award at our district conference in Ventura, uh, which is a reflection of a culmination of a year's work in service and in a Rotarian life. So it, you know, it speaks to the dedication of our 70 plus members, all of their contributions. They're varied, they're wide. You know, some are, you know, out there doing projects, some are, you know, fundraising, some are doing all of the above, but we have a dynamic group of people who come together for wonderful causes and wonderful opportunities. And to see them recognized this weekend to me was the 
the cherry on the Sunday of a year of, of a lot of work and a lot of giving and a lot of great uh, projects. Terrific. That, that is really exciting. I'm looking forward to hearing more about that at our Wednesday meeting. If I was to ask you that same question, Rob, what would you say? Yeah, my my favorite one this year is the uh, Habitat for Humanity Guide. That, um, and I, I like it because there's you know, you're, you're doing something tangible, you're building something, and there's five different Rotary clubs that partner together to do it. So you get to meet other clubs, you get to spend a half a day, you know, kind of working, getting in the mix of it, and you know, and then also networking at the same time. And it was just such a good community building activity, and just yeah, you know, felt like a good activity to do. And you and I'm sorry because you you were just a little bit faint. Did, did you say Habitat for Humanity? Yeah, the Habitat for Humanity. Okay. Yeah. I mean that 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 is that that's another example how one nonprofit supports another, isn't it? That's just it's terrific. And Cosette, what what I, I'm sure it's hard to pick, but what what would you say was was your highlight this well, past year? Well. It is, and actually I'm going to move a little bit further back during my district governor year, uh, which I'm the immediate past district governor for the Los Angeles region. We had 66 Rotary Clubs in, the, in our district. And um, there are two things that I'd like to mention during my governor year, which my governor year ended June 30th of 2018. But just to give an example that's outside of what we have talked about today so far, uh, 140 Rotarians went to Columbia in um, March of 2018. So it was a year ago. Uh, That was our humanitarian trip. We do this every year. But 140 Rotarians went down supported by contributions made from the clubs and monies that have been donated to the Rotary Foundation and come back to us in the way of enabling us to do global grants. And we we took a million dollars worth of services and goods down to uh, Columbia and worked with the leadership there. There are two districts, two Rotary districts in Colombia, centered out of Bogota and the other out of Bucaramanga. But we were able to raise um, and perform services basically that equated to a million dollars. And I'm very proud of that. That was from several clean water projects, all the way to um, partnering with Operation Smile for Quest Palette, surgeries for children, planting trees, and the beat goes on. There's so much uh, to talk about. And the other was just, I will close my little remarks with um, highlighting what Rob did. And I set a goal when Rob first approached me about his bad water run that we would, um, I set a goal for the district and where we have approximately 2,500 Rotarians, but I said if we could each just give $18.20 to support Rob in this run for the eradication of polio, 
with the matching funds that we had from the RI Foundation and the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation, I wanted to raise $250,000, and that was doable if they would each give $18.20. We ended up, my goal was $250,000, we ended up supporting Rob, following Rob from a 135-mile walk run over three days from the from the desert to the mountains in the Los Angeles region. And we raised $700,000. So these oh my gosh. went to the eradication of polio to continue the work of, you know, um, the drops to vaccinate children who, um, and we still have, again, three more countries to go, but that's what I wanted to share with everyone. Wow, Rob, I mean, that can bring me to tears. You know, we talked about this when you were on my show, and just hearing this again, and and you are so humble. Well, you're all humble, but you are so humble. You didn't even state that, that what you did in your efforts, Rob, $700,000? My gosh, that's just, I don't know if the rest of you that are listening to this are as moved by this as I am. I mean, you don't know Rob. I mean, I see him. He he ha- he works out of the chamber office. I'm a chamber member as well. I watch his little Hudson go from not even walking to you better you better be ready to run because he's on the move. Um, I think that's just, that's truly Impressive, Rob. Um, congratulations for the, the efforts that you've made. I remember, Cosette, you probably remember this too. When we were school-age children, I was in elementary school. I remember standing in line and getting a sugar cube that they had put, whatever they put in it. I didn't know. I was probably in the third grade. <clears throat> it, was, it was for polio vac- vaccine, I guess, or something. Is that yes. is that? Do I have that wrong? I stood in line at, Marcia and I grew up in this community that Gail and Rob have later joined. But, um, yes, I stood in line at Orville Wright, then junior Mm -hmm. high school, now it's middle school. But, um, yes, I remember those days. I had a cousin who contracted the polio virus and was in a wheelchair the rest of her life. So um, we've forgotten um, and the younger folks just, you know, I mean, Rob wasn't even around, though. Real quickly, I know we just have a couple minutes, but Rob was introduced to a survivor of polio who has been bedridden his whole life. And, Rob, I think he was in his 80s, right? And Rob dedicated the belt that he, the belt buckle that he was awarded and gave to this gentleman that we went to visit. It was just so moving, and he's been bedridden his entire life. Wow. (sighs) Wow. So, Gail, you can see why I love doing what I do, right? (laughs) Absolutely. Because these, these stories are so tremendous, and in a world where there's such divisiveness and um, I, I wish that the news just showed this. I, I, you know, and I know that they have heroes and they have different programs that, that do these kinds of things. 
what what fills me up and and provides me this wonderful opportunity that I have for these past four years to share what's what's good in the world. And yes, we need social media. And some people would say that's the last place I want to go. Well, clearly that's where I need to be. That's how people learn about about my shows. And hopefully they, like that old Prell commercial, and they tell somebody and they tell somebody and they tell somebody. And then people from everywhere, because that's the beauty of the Internet. I have friends that I made in Africa when I visited there that follow my show. So I think that it's just wonderful what the what the three of you do. I am so very happy that you've all joined me. Once again, if you want to go to Rotarians Fighting Human Trafficking, and I'm going to spell trafficking, T-R-A-F-F-I-C-K-I-N-G, because maybe you didn't know how to spell that. So RotariansFightingHumanTrafficking.org can give you some information on this initiative. And I would recommend that any of you listening that might be living in another part of the country, maybe you, it, maybe it's time that you could, it's from a business position, from a social position, and from just a community position, considering um, joining your local Rotary and giving back as well. This has just been a wonderful show, you guys. I, I want to thank you so, so much for joining me, each and every one of you. And thank you, Marsha. It's yeah. been a pleasure, Marsha. Yeah. It really has been great. And I know that everyone has very, very busy lives. And I'm going to say goodbye. I want you all to join me next week. I'm going to have a woman that's um, written a book about her art- autistic son that went to Westchester High School. Her name is Florence Bracy. And it's going to be about her life story with her son. And it's going to be just a, a, just a terrific show. And every week I just, I have these wonderful guests. So I hope that you'll consider just um, joining in. Go to your podcast uh, icon on your iPhone and type, type in Born to Talk radio show and subscribe. No password, no username. It's simple. If you have a Google phone, I'm an Android, you go to Google Play, you do the same thing. I can be heard on Blog Talk Radio, which is where we broadcast. I can be heard on Stitcher, TuneIn. I'm all over the place. I need social media. LinkedIn, I'm there. So until next week, I would just like to thank you once again for joining me. I'm going to let these three wonderful guests get on with their day. And I look forward to having you all join me again next week. Thanks again, you guys. I really did appreciate this.